from Chesterfield, Virginia. It's Brendan Miller, Robert Durazio, and here's where you're wrong. Hello and welcome back. It's Here's Where You're Wrong. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is March 21st. It's a Tuesday. I'm here, Brendan Miller, with my co-host, Robert Durazio. How you doing today? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? All right, so... Hey, Here's Where You're Wrong is basically a podcast where me and Robbie go back and forth arguing about anything when it comes to sports. Today we're going to focus on the NBA and college basketball. Uh, we'll go right into it, talking about how NBA have been resting their players. Adam Silver today quoted, resting players is a significant issue for the league. Why don't you talk about how you feel about the NBA resting players? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's very conflicting because you got these players who need to compete for championships and when, when they don't rest, when they can't rest, it's going to hurt their chances to win a championship. LeBron James quoted, said, I don't think the NBA can do anything about it. Now, no disrespect to LeBron James being the best player in the world, but that, that's a very arrogant statement right there. And Adam Silver took that and took notice of that. And Adam Silver, as being a commissioner, you know, he's the fan's voice. And the fans have been very upset about this issue. I mean, what, what this is doing, what, pe- what teams resting players is doing, it's hurting television networks, it's hurting fans, it's hurting the consumer, and it's hurting the perception of the NBA, in my, in my opinion. And what players are doing now, back then, olden days, it was rehab for them. They were, they were rehabbing, you know, they broke down their bodies and they rehab from it. Nowadays, people, uh, players want a prehab is what I think it's called. It's, they're, they're not getting to the point where their bodies are breaking down. They want to make sure they don't get to that point. I don't think you can do anything significant to this issue other than the fact that you need a big notice from uh, commis- uh, to the commissioner. You need to let the uh, owners need to let the commissioner know when the players are sitting out. It's got to be a couple weeks in advance because other right. than that, it's not going to help anything. Right. You know, it's just it's such an issue to me because I don't know if you go back to March 11th. Um, the Warriors versus the Spurs was supposed to be one of the best games of the season. TNT was ready. ESPN was ready to play this. On, I think it was a Saturday night, Friday night, whatever. But then Kawhi Leonard got injured, so he's not already on the court. Then the Spurs coach decided to rest. Then Parker and the Golden State coach decided to rest, stay, Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Andre Iguodala. So these teams had... No good players on it. Uh, Matt Barnes, Kevin Looney, Zaza Pachulia, Patrick McCraw, and Sean Livingston were the starters for Golden State. Usually you got four All-Stars in that lineup, and now you got none? This was a primetime game. Everyone was looking forward to this game, battle between one and two in the West. And that's not what the fans want. That's not what the coaches want. That's what no one wants in the NBA. But yet you still do it on primetime TV on a nationally televised game. It's re- it's ridiculous. It's not good for television no. networks. I mean, it's not good for NBA basketball either because just when the perception. People, yeah, there's a lot of people that don't like the NBA. It's a symbol that because they don't try, and when they see these bad players, not all respect to these players that are finally getting the minutes that they've deserved for a long time, but when you see these bad players coming out on the court, you don't get excited to watch that. You want to see the superstars go head-to-head in the battle for the West. A couple of days ago, you had Cleveland versus L.A., and you see LeBron James drinking a cup of coffee on the bench. I mean, that's just crazy. You know what I mean? These these fans, they're going to the game to see LeBron. And if they don't know that LeBron's not going to play until the night of when they bought these tickets, that's not good. And Adam Silver's taking notice of that. And it's going to be right. a big issue going forward. I just think that, 
you know, you have to put at least a couple weeks in advance if you're going to rest the players. That's the only way you can do this because players do need rest. Their, their bodies are breaking down over an 82-game season. They need rest. They need to compete for championships. What these players want to do is they want to show primetime TV in the playoffs at their best level, and they can't be at that best level without the rest they get. So it's got to be a few weeks in advance before uh, they need to show how much uh, when when they are going to rest. Right, and people, you got to realize that people travel from all across the country to watch players like Steph and LeBron play, and then all of a sudden you're coming from, I don't know, let's just say Seattle. You're a big LeBron fan. You're coming from Seattle, going all the way to Cleveland to watch LeBron play and then all of a sudden he's resting how upset are you how much does that make you be regretful to buy those tickets and that's not what the NBA wants that's not what Adam Silver wants and he's going to make some punishments put in place for these teams that decide to rest their star players on primetime TV and games big games like this I don't know you got to be able to rest them in games that you still can be competitive in I mean Golden State got blown out by 22 points against the Spurs. I mean, Spurs are a very good team, but no one was no one was playing on the Spurs either. Paul Gasol didn't start. No one started on that team. I mean, the starters were Kyle Anderson, David Lee, Deadman, Patrick Mills, and Danny Green. Good players, but they're not. That's not the San Antonio Spurs, and it wasn't the Golden State Warriors. And that's that was just one example of many times that this happens in the league. And Silver's got to do something to fix this, and I think it's rightfully so. So in April, they're going to have like a little meeting with the commissioners. April 6th, and, I believe the date was. And they're going to talk about that a little bit. Let's get into a little bit of MVP talk. Right. Who's so, favorite to win MVP right, right now? we got a month left of games. Less than a month left of games. Obviously, it's between two or three guys. I think if it goes to anyone outside of Russell Westbrook and James Harden, I would be so shocked because these both guys, if they do what they're doing in any other season, either one of them is going to win the MVP. But not. They're both having seasons of their careers in – 2016-2017. Let me throw a little stats at you. Russell Westbrook is averaging 31.4 points per game, 10.3 rebounds per game, 10.5 rebounds per game, and 10.3 assists per game. I'm sorry about that. Uh, 1.7 steals per game on 5.4 turnovers. Harden, 29.4 points per game, 11.2 assists per game, 8.1 rebounds per game. That's kind of where you get the the biggest differential in the two players. 1.5 steals per game and 5.8 turnovers per game. Thunder, 6 in the West. Rockets, 3 in the West. How does their position affect who wins this MVP? I have to go with James Harden if, if we're going to ask who I think should win MVP right now. You got 30 points and above the past five games except for one when they beat uh, Los Angeles Lakers by 40 points and he after halftime the game was over and he didn't have to do anything. When James Harden is asked to do something against quality opponents, he's putting in the work. Uh, he just had a buzzer beater against Denver for that big win against him. And when I look at Russell Westbrook, just a phenomenal superstar talent, but when he's up against those great defenses, his field goal percentage way off the mark. 7 for 21 against Utah a couple games ago. 9 for 26 uh, last night. He He's just... I don't see him putting up good numbers. I mean, I don't see him putting up the, the type of quality, efficient, efficient numbers against really good teams. I mean, Victor Oladipo was a leading scorer against in Golden State last night. Russell didn't do anything against him. No, he had a bad game, and he's allowed to have a bad game. You don't see James Harden put up bad games as the MVP. He's never putting up those You're bad games. You're saying James Harden has never had a bad game. I'm saying four of the last five games he has had triple-doubles. Okay, if you, does, to, if you go back but, to uh, the Thunders winning, they won one, two, three, four, five games in a row. In those five games, Russell Westbrook had... Six, uh, five games with f consecutive triple doubles. 
I mean, these are numbers, and and they you sat here live on air and told me that the Thunder may not even make the playoffs, and then they did a five-game winning streak against the Utah Jazz, who sit four in the West right now, and the Spurs, who sit, I'm sorry, five in the, not four in the West, and the Spurs, who are two in the West, so... That's two quality wins. And they beat Toronto, who's a very good team in the East. And they beat they beat up Sacramento and Brooklyn. They did their job, and they had a bad game last night. But Westbrook is leading these guys with triple doubles. And he figured out that when he plays best at a triple-double level, they win games. They don't win games when Russell Westbrook doesn't get a triple-double. So do you sit here and tell me that he hasn't put up numbers? The guy is averaging a triple-double in each one of these five games that they won. The thing is, James Harden is doing the same thing right now. He's putting up triple-doubles nightly. And he's in a way – he's leading his team to, to a three-seed right now okay. in the West. Russell Westbrook, he's got the six-seed. It might go yeah, to seven. They're, they're, it might go seven or eight. You never no, know. No, they could also go f- four or f- five or four because they're only uh, one-and-a-half games back from the five-seed and two-and-a-half games back from the four-seed. So you cannot say that – sit here and tell me that they're not going to get that five they or four. They are, but James Harden, you cannot argue, should be the MVP. I disagree season. highly. I highly disagree. I mean, the, the man is averaging the, a triple-double. Tri- Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple-double. He has eight rebounds. He has more assists. I understand because the fact of the matter is Russell Westbrook's numbers, they're inflating because he's in an offense that just completely is only resol- revolving around him. That's- and his field goal percentage, his efficiency is not as high as James Harden's. You have to have that efficiency. And his 41% field goal percentage, that is not efficient at all. I mean, he's taken so many shots. And when he plays against teams like Golden State, 0-4, I might tell you, against the best team arguably in the NBA, he is not producing quality numbers against high-level competition, high-level defenses. Are the yet. Spurs not high-level to you? The healthy Spurs? He didn't put up the greatest numbers. He went 23. 7 for 21. Rebbe, 7 for 21. He has 23 points, 13 rebounds, and 13 assists. And James Harden's putting up 38 points for the past five games. The man and put, put up 58 up earlier in the season. Oh, 58 earlier in the season. Yeah, James Harden can do the same thing. He hasn't nightly. put up 58 this season. Nightly. 38 points or higher in the past four or five games. Russell Westbrook's averaging about 20 the past four or five games. And his efficiency numbers have been low across four or five the board. Games. The, man's, the man's got five, five triple doubles in five straight games. 15 points, four for 16 shooting against Golden State. Are you kidding me? That is piss poor He's numbers from a, a bad game. So, quote-unquote MVP. He's MVPs allowed to have a bad game. do not have that bad of games. They don't get blown out at home against Golden State. James Harden does not do that. James Harden produces against the Denver Nuggets, who have been playing really good basketball. And you know what he does? He goes on the court with five seconds left and wins them the game because that's how good James Harden is. That's why he deserves to be the MVP. He's just a better player. He's more efficient. He's higher level. He's averaging more assists. He might not be averaging more points because guess what? They're blowing teams out left and right, and he's, sit- he's sitting for games because they're beating the Lakers by 40 points. That's why. And James Harden's just a better player in general. I love Russell Westbrook. I think he's a phenomenal player. But the efficiency has not been there for him this year, I do not think. I okay. think they have been so you there. talk about efficiency. So roughly, James Harden is averaging eight made baskets on 19 shots. Russell Westbrook is averaging 10 made baskets on 24 shots. So yes, James Harden is statistically more efficient. But if you watch the teams play... James Harden has better players around him, and you cannot sit here and argue with me. I bet you can't even name more than five, six players on the Thunder because they, they, I love them. I love every player on that team, but they, they are not what the Rockets have. The Rockets have two six-man-of-the-year candidates on their own team. They are a very good team, a very well-coached team. 
what the Thunder I mean, have are you compared kidding to right now? Because remember when Russell Westbrook had Kevin Durant? That's efficiency, and he wasn't putting up the numbers he is now. He's been he's he's getting all of the reins, the keys. He should be putting up these numbers if he putting, wasn't. He is putting up numbers. He, if he wasn't, putting he's averaging thirty-one. He's averaging the most points in the league. If he wasn't putting up these numbers, I would be shocked. If he wasn't putting up these numbers, everybody expected these numbers from Russell Westbrook. A this triple year, double. But his efficiency has not been there. He could be averaging better numbers if his efficiency was there. You know what I mean? I don't know how you average better than a thirty-point triple double. He's averaging a 30-point triple-double right now. James Harden is literally two rebounds off a triple-double. You don't understand. He's right there. He's that, putting that's up a lot of rebounds when it comes to averages, Robbie. His, his, his numbers are right there. I don't think you can, you can say that James Harden should not be the most valuable player. when he's What he's doing with his team right now, I mean, with Marshall Westbrook had Kevin Durant and other shooters like, like uh, he had Reggie Jackson and James Harden around him back then, he wasn't putting up these kind of numbers, was no, he? he didn't have to. He didn't have to. Now the team needs him to put up these numbers in order for them to be successful. If Russell Westbrook did not have these numbers, they could possibly be a losing team sitting outside of the playoffs looking in. But they asked him to step up, and he did. He's done more than expected. He's averaging a triple-double, which has never happened in the NBA since like, Oscar Robinson. And you act like they haven't been putting shooters around him either. Doug McDermott's a great shooter. Yeah, he barely plays. Deepest. Doug McDermott barely plays. I mean, you got shooters around him, though. You cannot say they don't. James Harden... No, you they're, know, they're you know one, they of, the you know they're they one of the worst. They're one of the worst three-point you know shooting say, teams right? you know in what the they NBA. Say? You know what they say? Great players make people around them great, and that's what James Harden's doing for the Houston Rockets right now. I mean, they're putting up three-point. Uh, they're, they're wide open half the time because Harden's penetrating the lane and kicking out for threes. I mean, Russell Westbrook. Do you have you ever heard of a name by Alex Abrines? No, exactly. You haven't. Now Alex Abrines is uh, one of the is. Is one of the better bench players on this team. He's making players like Jeremy Grant great, Andre Roberson great. That's exactly what Russ Westbrook does. He make he makes bad players good. This team Demontis should... Sabonis would never get any playing time on any other team, but now he's coming. Oh yes, he's and... a he's a good player. He's a, he's been solid. This team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, built around Russell Westbrook perfectly. I mean, you got a rebounding machine in Stephen Adams, a defensive. They have no shooters, Rob. They're, they're they, one of all the... they need is Russell Westbrook to win games. All Houston needed was James Harden, and they're still putting up numbers. Without Lou Williams, they were still third in the West. Okay, yeah, I'm understand. I understand that. But now they have Lou Williams, and now they have Eric Gordon. I'm not saying that hurts his MVP candidacy, but Robbie, I the, the man is averaging a triple double. He's sitting on sixth in the West, which is not that bad for the team he has around him. He might even move up to five. He might even move up to four. Who can I predict the future? I understand that Russell Westbrook should be in the MVP talk. He's second that, on oh. my list. I mean, no doubt, no doubt, he's a superstar. No doubt, but he's not better than James Harden. I mean, think about Clint Capella for for a second. Who is Ken Capella? Plays for the Houston Rockets. Is he a great player? No, but James Harden is making him have a good season shooting, having 12 points per game, 63% efficiency rating. This man is having a great season, and James Harden is allowing people around him to have great seasons because he's facilitating better than Russell Westbrook is, and he's being more efficient when he's doing it. He's leading teams to, he's leading his team to beat actually quality, really quality opponents, good defenses, and Russell Westbrook... He crept the bed last night against against. Uh, we're two. We're Golden two State. and the the Thunder are two and zero oh against the Jazz. We played really good against the Spurs. We're one and one against the Spurs. So do you say that we can't beat quality opponents? We well, do. Well, zero and four we against have. Golden State. Okay, that's a little. That's an emotional game, and that's that streak won't continue. It's just a fluke. That's a fluke. And when you look at when he's playing against quality defenses, not playing against like the Sacramento Kings, his efficiency numbers are way lower. Like seven for twenty one. I've seen a, I've seen a nine for twenty six. I've seen a 4 for 16 last night. Those numbers are not not good at all. And you'd never see James Harden 
when he is putting up, James Harden is putting up efficiency, great efficiency numbers against bad defenses, and he's still doing it against good defenses as well. So I don't think I don't think you can. You're throwing all these field goal percentages at me, but you don't realize that even if he has a bad game, he's still averaging a triple double. He still gets a triple double. The other night he has 17, 18 assists. Robbie, he gets he gets he gets assists and and rebounds. He does more than just points. So if he has a bad game, he's still gonna figure out a way. I understand that he does. The only the only thing that you can the only valid argument that you have is that no the only valid argument you have the Rockets. Are a better team than the Thunder That's not because they're the, they're a three and the Thunder are a six. The only valid argument you have is that Russell Westbrook's averaging two more rebounds, and that's your valid argument because that's oh triple two double and two, two and a half two and a half, and a half my rebounds. bad in rebounds in rebounds. He like, that has, affects the game. Just, that let's much just for throw Russell more Westbrook. stats. He has more steals per game and he has less turnovers. Because I'm saying this right now, James Harden leading his team to third in the West. Putting up higher efficiency numbers, putting up higher efficiency numbers. Four of the past five games, putting up a triple double, triple doubles. He's averaging triple doubles now. He's gonna get there. He's gonna get to triple doubles. Uh, that's really bold to say with like twenty games left in he the season. He probably won't get to. He'll get. He'll get close to it. And I guarantee you, the past twenty games, he's gonna average a couple more triple doubles. You need like tw- two. He's gonna have it. It, games. it really depends on who has a better end of the season. And right now, James Harden is having. He's having a better season overall. Uh, I disagree. He's having a better end of the season. I mean, the Thunder have just won five out of six. Let's let's get into a little bit NCAA college basketball tournament. I would just like to say, Brennan called me stupid when I picked Wisconsin over Villanova, and uh, look how that turned out for him. It was a good pick. So uh, it was a good pick. I mean, and then you got the Syracuse Orange on the other hand, who he thought was going to make the tournament, just lost in the NIT against Ole Miss. So that's really good. <clears throat> They're a great team, aren't they? Um, let's talk a little bit about who are who your favorite is. To win the championship as of right now. 16 teams left. So if you guys listened to last podcast, you know I really, really was fond of UCLA. And this trend is going to continue into this podcast. I'm going to go UCLA is my favorite to win the tournament. And you're sitting there thinking, wow, this South region is probably the hardest region in all of the tournament. And I sit there and I say, yeah. I think that actually helps the UCLA Bruins. I think this gives them the quality opponents that they're going to face all throughout the rest of the tournament. They have, they, they need to battle up through adversity through Kentucky and potentially UNC. So with players that UCLA have, I think I think they're going to be too much for Kentucky, and I think they're going to go on to the Final Four, and I think they can win, win it all. And I, I'm going to love to see it. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to tell you I called it. Their offense is too high-powered for anybody in the league. Go Bruins. Well, UCLA's offense is ridiculous. I think they have arguably the best player in the tournament in Lonzo Ball. Can't mm-hmm. argue with that. Yep. They're playing a Kentucky team, though, with just a high-powered offense. I'm going to love to see De'Aaron Fox versus Lonzo Ball. Yeah, it'll be fun. The UCLA defense is not good, though. And I'm, we're gonna, you're going to see that against Kentucky. You're going to see that against high-powered opponents like UNC. Can they play enough defense? I think my favorite to win the tournament, Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, this team has been the most impressive team to me, if you think about it. Heading into the tournament, losing against TCU, a lot of people, uh, experts, were picking against Kansas early in the early rounds. Uh, against Iowa State, teams like um, Louisville, Oregon, I mean, UNC in the Final Four. They have a tough, they have a tough side of the They just too. beat Michigan State by 20 points. Who put a trou- Michigan State put a trouncing on Miami. The thing with Kansas is you have senior leadership in Frank Mason, Bill Self, is a amazing head coach, and 
X-Factor Landon Lucas has been staying on the floor, getting rebounds. He had 10 points, 11 boards against Michigan State. If he can stay on the floor, like I said, great. Uh, this team is going to go all the way. And Josh Jackson, I think, is another X-Factor for this team. People don't realize he can guard one through five. Josh Jackson's that versatile. And if he can put yeah, the ball in great. the basket, I mean, he can guard anybody. I think he can guard. If you put him against Lonzo Ball, he'll be good. He'll be a good defender. Uh, he's just he's an all around amazing player, and when you got a guy like also Devonte Graham, who's a lot, un, he's very underrated, like a Frank Mason, can mm-hmm. shoot the ball. I think he's a probably a, I think he's a little better scorer if you ask me, a better shooter than Frank Mason. But they're both iffy. Uh, this team is incredibly dangerous. Shea Makai, uh, Makai, this team, if they can shoot the ball like they did against Michigan State, they can get hot, and it's easy for this team to get hot because they have so many weapons. I mean, you got Legero Vic coming off the bench who can shoot the three. This team's amazing three-point shooting team has a really good defense, if you ask me. I mean, a couple defensive lapses here and there. They got the leadership. They got the coaching. They got all the pieces together to win the tournament. I got Kansas winning. That's definitely a good pick. And I, I, I would have to agree with a lot of what you just said. I mean, I watched Jackson play. Did you watch the Kansas game? Yeah, I watched a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jackson's hitting NBA-level shots. He's stepping back with a hand in his face, fading to the right, shooting to the left. I mean, the guy is hitting NBA-level shots. He can guard one through five, as you said. And the only bad part was he missed a dunk. He, uh, he got uh, blocked by the rim on that one. That was yeah, funny. It wasn't even the worst missed dunk of the weekend, though. You see Louisville, the Manoon guy. Oh, yeah, that was hilarious. Wide too. open, under the basket, going up to grab the rim. And but it was a it was a big basket. Another too. point I have for this Kansas team is Frank Mason, 0 for 4 from 3, 6 for 16 shooting. He did have 20 points. He had a really off game for them. He and did still, not shoot the ball. Still well. figured out how to put and up 20 still points. Beat them by 20. They have so many shooters. One off night by somebody just leads to an amazing night from another right. guy. Too dangerous across the board for this right. Kansas team. All right. Robbie, I'm going to ask you your biggest surprise of the tournament thus far. I mean, I think you have to go with South Carolina. I mean, who was thinking? We picked Marquette over South Carolina. We did. They slaughtered South Carolina. I mean, uh, Marquette in the first game by 20-plus points. I was surprised, and I thought no way they are going past the I Duke. said Cinderius Thornwell is going to be the difference for this team, and no doubt he was the difference. These first two games, he's putting up numbers. He put up 24 against Duke. This South Carolina team... 18 turnovers forced against both Duke and Marquette the first two games. His defense is coming to play. Frank Martin's got his seniors out playing really well. I'm loving this South Carolina team. I don't think they're going to – I think I think the matchups have been really good for them as well. They've played two high-powered offensive opponents with no defense, if you ask me, with Marquette and Duke, terrible defenses. When they play a team that has good defense and a good offense, I think it's going to be a little tougher for them. I was shocked that Duke lost, but South Carolina is very surprising. Uh, Sindarius Thornwell, amazing, amazing superstar, SEC Player of the Year. Chris Silva also has been an a beast player. You got guys like PJ Dozier out there putting up numbers. And Dewan, notice this team very surprising. Did not expect them to make it to the Sweet 16. What about you? What did I tell you guys about Duke? I'm not surprised at all with Duke. You might sit here and tell me that, yeah, you picked Duke to go to your finals. Yeah, I know. But what else did I tell you guys? I told you that Duke can either go to the Final Four or they can get out in the second round. I'm not surprised at all that they lost this game against South Carolina. This just seems like what Duke would do. I mean, they lost to Mercer a couple years back. This is such a Duke loss. I can't even explain it to you. They have all. They have maybe four or five potential NBA guys on their roster, and Coach K led them in their 2016-2017. What do they have to say for it? A win in the tournament against Troy. Wow, great job there, Duke. 
You really did good. I mean, you got you got some of the best players in the nation. You got super athletic guys, and you have a win against Troy, and that's all you got. You lost to South Carolina. You really messed up this year, Duke. You had a special team. You were some of the best. You were supposed to be the best team in the nation preseason. I mean, what you did, I cannot, cannot believe. Supposedly it. the best team, uh, one of the best teams of all time. I mean, Could yeah, it's it's such a disappointment. It's not a surprise at all. It's just a disappointment. I definitely I'm, think it's a surprise after what they did in the ACC tournament game and against and South Carolina again. Another point: they lost to Ole Miss and Alabama to end their season. They lost back-to-back games to end their season. Alabama in the ACC tournament. That was so surprising. I mean, you got a team that's ice cold heading into the tournament, and they beat Duke, who's red hot heading in the tournament. That's ex- incredibly surprising to me. I don't know what happened with Duke there. I have no it's idea. Such a Duke loss. I mean, oh, I can't, I was so mad. I was sitting on a plane flying back from Atlanta, Georgia. I was sitting there on the plane. This guy next to me pulls up the score, and I was, I was, I was, I couldn't. I was flabbergasted is the best word I can use for it. This is ridiculous. The guy next to me is hitting the seat in front of him. The girl in the seat in front of him is looking behind like he's lost his head. What went down with Duke? I. It's definitely what you see from Duke, though. I mean, round of 32 losses or you give Final Four uh, championships. I mean, you could get both ways. I mean, this Duke team was supposed to be special. They had a great end of the season. Just they lost it against a hot team in South Carolina. Very surprising. Who was your most surprising team? Go Blue. Michigan. Michigan, I, I, it's a surprise to me That's that they did it. I love them. I love them coming out of the Big Ten. I told you guys that they were going to do it. They beat Oklahoma State in great fashion, 92-91. to 91. What a thriller. I was sitting in a sports bar watching the Louisville game. It was I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I loved it watching this Michigan team win. They can go cold from the field the entire game. In the last four minutes, they step back from three, start drilling them left and right, four or five in a row. And all of a sudden, they blow the game wide open against a great Louisville team and a disappointing ACC. Now they go on to play Oregon. I got them winning. I, 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 in my bracket, I have Oregon winning, but my bracket's done. I had Duke. I don't know why. I should have sat here and been more logical, but I had Duke. But now I want Michigan to win. I, I'm loving the Blue Nation. I think they go on to beat Oregon. I think they make a Final Four run. I think I love this team. They're hot. I, go Blue. That is not a surprising pick, though. Most people, a lot of experts were picking this team to go to the Elite Eight. What experts were picking South Carolina to even get past the first round, no. at least at least second? No. This team is, Michigan's not a surprise team. They're hot heading after the Big Ten tournament. They were picked to beat Louisville, who's incredibly inconsistent. But Oklahoma you love, has you no love to watch them. You love to watch them. I want your biggest surprise. I don't want a team that, you know, they didn't surprise anybody, Michigan. I mean, they were predict they were projected to beat Oklahoma State, and they had a great chance against Louisville. It was really inconsistent. I want surprises. I don't want a team that everybody was picking to be Cinderella, uh, going past the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. I, I, think, I think Michigan going this far is a surprise. I, I really do. I think Michigan is one of the most exciting teams to watch in the tournament, and it, they could have gone either way. And get them getting this far and getting a chance to play against Oregon to go to the Elite Eight is, is a very much surprise, especially if you look at the beginning of their season. They weren't even predicted to go to the tournament. Now they're sitting on a Sweet 16 bid. I definitely think Xavier is a way more surprising oh, yeah, team than them. I mean, it could be. I mean, they absolutely slaughtered Florida State after <laughs> losing Florida Edmund State. Sumner, their point guard. Who what would a joke it? they are. I mean, in, in the middle of the season, they lost one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row. Who was expecting this team to make this Sweet 16? Michigan, for me, not so surprising. I didn't want them to do it. I didn't expect it, but they're not. that's not surprising. So you didn't expect it, and they did it? Wouldn't that because be Because I think Oklahoma State was a better team than them. I didn't you, expect you don't, it. But you don't most, ex- I'm saying me as in just personally, experts in other people were pretty picking Michigan to make the Elite Eight, a lot of them too. Nobody was picking South Carolina to get to the Sweet 16. I can tell you that right now, not many at all, if you ask me. Or Xavier. I mean, what a great win by the Xavier. 
team. I mean, they beat Florida State heading into the Sweet 16. No one thought that from them. They're sitting at an 11 seed. They didn't. They had tough opponents. No way they thought Florida State was supposed to go far. It's a great win from Xavier. Let's go. Biggest disappointment in the tournament. So, I mean, from the tournament, who you got? Um, I'm gonna go East Region. I mean, the East Region had Villanova and Duke and UVA and SMU. Every single one of those teams I just told you lost. For me, I had I have no teams in the left in the East Region. I had Villanova, UVA, SMU, and Duke, and none of those teams are still in the tournament. This is the biggest disappointment in the tournament by far. I mean, Villanova is the number one seed overall. They're gone. They lost to Wisconsin, which is a great pick by you. All all props to you there. Uh, Duke was one of the best teams in the tournament. Best two seed by far gone. SMU, a lot of people, I know a lot. some analysts had them winning, gone. UVA got blown out by Florida, couldn't even play with them. That that this, this, this East region to me, biggest disappointment by far, and this is the reason you're ripping up your bracket and throwing it away right now, burning it, because of this East region. What a disappointment it was. I don't think that's, I think that's a huge disappointment, but the biggest disappointment, the ACC. I mean, you talk about abysmal performance. People are talking about this being the best conference. I had three in my final four, and they just they crapped the bed. I mean, Notre Dame didn't know how to break a press against West Virginia. West Virginia showed Notre Dame what was up. The Big 12 showed I ACC what was up. I definitely thought Notre Dame was going to be better. They, they did terrible. I mean, Florida State, teams have been beating teams all year long. It's slaughtered by Xavier, who I don't even think is that good, but... I mean, that was a horrible game for Florida State. You're talking about a UNC team who is coming down to the wire against Arkansas. They should have lost that game against Arkansas if Arkansas knew how to score the ball with three minutes left in the game. They had any semblance of an offense. Louisville losing to Michigan. They were really inconsistent all year, but they were pretty talented. They had a complete group. They couldn't get the job done. Duke losing to South Carolina. Miami getting blown out of the water by Michigan State. The Big Ten showed the ACC what was up. ACC... Horrible. I mean, Wake Forest, they didn't do anything in the first round. Um, the first four, they got killed by, they didn't get killed, but they got shown what was up by Kansas State. I didn't see one AC, I mean, don't even get me started on UVA and the the butt whooping they took against Florida by 30 points, it seemed like. I'm I'm shocked London Parentes didn't have better leadership than that, getting this team over the hump, at least, at least to a close game. I was just I was shocked by the ACC's performance. It pretty much proved that they are not the best conference. I was right. It was the Big 12, and I'm really disappointed in the ACC. Me too. I, I'm disappointed in the ACC too, especially I had such high hopes for them. I mean, they had the most teams in the tournament, and now they only have one. What they did this season was great, and then they showed up in the tournament and did nothing. It was just a huge disappointment. Coach K was another disappointment. Uh, there was a lot going on in the tournament, and it's been it's been really fun to watch. You enjoyed watching the tournament so far there, Big Rob? Oh, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving how Baylor's in the Sweet 16, baby. You get to play South Carolina. It's going to be a great game. Oh, we can get the job done. I'm not sure if we can. It's going to be a close game. But I think another uh, big thing here, uh, three Big Ten teams in the Sweet 16. we got three Big 12s and three SECs and only one ACC. That just proves my point even further. Uh, one of the, I think the best conference in this tournament so far has got to be the Pac-12. I mean, they've only lost one game, and that was USC. Yeah, they're not very deep. They're, they aren't that very deep. They have, I think, four teams make it, but UCLA, Sweet 16. Oregon, Sweet 16. They lost Chris Boucher. I think that's a very surprising right, the Big thing. Big Ten even has more teams in it still than the ACC with Purdue and Michigan. And Arizona, I think the Pac-12 has a chance to maybe get three potentially teams in the, in the Final Four. Oregon, I think, is going to be 
just too much for Michigan in that game, even though you picked Michigan. I think Oregon with Dylan Brooks, Tyler pick. Dorsey, uh, Jordan Bell, they have shooters galore. I expected a bigger loss. Chris Boucher was going to be a, too big of a loss for them to overcome, but turns out I was wrong. I mean, this Oregon team is incredibly talented. They got the coaching to right. do it. Uh, Rhode Island, don't get me wrong, they, they were a great team. They played really well against Oregon, they too. They played really well, and I think they could have given Michigan a run for their money, but this Oregon team's prepared. I think they're going to give Michigan a really good game. I think they're going to beat that team, but I just think Kansas is going to be too much for them. Uh, what else you got? Um, closing thoughts on the podcast, anything to say? Big coaching changes around NCAA. Tom Crean fired from Indiana. That's a big loss for Indiana. Uh, Illinois added Brad Underwood from Oklahoma State. That's a huge loss for Oklahoma State, I think. I think Brad Underwood's just an amazing head coach, vastly underpaid at Oklahoma State. I was heard in a huge loss for fans around the area. Uh, coach Will Wade for VCU. Sayonara, baby. Joke. Going to LSU. Some big coaching changes around so far. How do you feel about that? I'm upset, but Will Wade never really proved much for this VCU team. I mean, he had no loyalty, just like Shaka, and we'll see what's next for VCU. All right, uh, that'll do it. Thank you so much for watching. We do have a little promotion here. If you tweet me at here's where you're wrong, it's here's where you're wrong. It's the in grammatically incorrect your. It's at where you're wrong. Okay, so W H E R E. Your is Y O U R, and then wrong is spelled correctly. At where you're wrong. You tweet us who your prediction is. We'll give you a shout out live on air. You tweet us who your prediction is to win it all. Again, where you're wrong, in grammatically incorrect, your will give you a shout-out live on air. All right. It's been really, really fun talking to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. It's Here's Where You're Wrong. Brennan Miller signing out. Deuces.